we'll start back up. Uh, second, uh, like talk about the family dinner and fun night. Um, was not attended as well this month as last month, but we were still pretty happy. Uh, we had about 18 people that showed up. They had a ball. Um, um, Martha had these poles that she used for quilting, and they put a net on it. And we did this balloon badminton slash volleyball, and the kids went nuts over it. Um, there's ring toss, and, and Linda had some birdhouses to paint. They were just having a ball the whole time they were there. We were very pleased on how things went. Um, but mark your calendar, um, um, May 25th is going to be the next one, if I remember correctly. So, but I'll, I'll announce it again a couple more times. We probably, I think we'll need more cookies for that one. Linda, do you? Well, we'll get with you on cookies. Um, and third, those of you that know Crystal, uh, she was appointed. She got a church in Nashville, Michigan, which is north of Battle Creek and west of Charlotte. She has two little adorable churches. One has a membership of 25, and 10 usually show up on Sundays. And the other one is a church of like 80, and like 45 show up. But uh, she had her meet and greet yesterday, and everything went well. And she's all excited, um, so she'll probably be starting uh, first service on June, or July 3rd. So um, prayers for her ministry as, as she goes forth. All right. I'm sorry. Last weekend was the last week of um, <laughs> the month. I'm just going crazy. You know me and the blonde. Okay, Jasmine Voice, I got it set out in the hallway. I'll be out there if you want to donate for Jasmine Voice. It's, um, I forgot even my iPod today. It's, um, they give iPads to all the kids in Lenaway County, special need children like my son, um, Jacob and Hunter and Sue daughter. Uh, for talking, they can't talk very well, so they do it through the iPad. And there's a special program that the teacher puts on for them, and it's really, really special. So um, she, she's got the whole area now. She's even got out there by um, Coldwater. And I think she's doing some of Monroe now, too. So she's a very special lady, M Melissa. So um, I'd be out there. Sorry. You know what's going on in my life. I'm going to have to tell you this and put a big prayer for me. We found a home for Jacob <laughs> and breaking my heart. But I know I have to do it. So pray on the 15th of May. Okay. <clears throat> now I have one announcement. Um, you know the gym is rented out for the rest of the day today, this afternoon, and we need to have it cleaned. And they're going to, anybody that has some extra time, they're going to meet here at 10 o'clock, and we can use all the help we can get. And clean up the gym. Tomorrow? When? Tomorrow. Okay, did you say? Yeah, I did. Did you? Monday. Monday at 10 o'clock. I guess that's right. And the other things, um, if you just read your bulletin, we won't announce them all, so just read your bulletin and you'll, it'll keep you up to date on what's going on. 
сумерку. Please stand if you're able and join me in the call to worship. Whether we embrace God's call in our lives or try to avoid it, God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Whether we are long timers or late comers in the life of faith, God is gracious and merciful slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Whether our lives in Christ are comfortable or bring hardship, God is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. We praise God's name forever and ever. And the first hymn today is number 127, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah. Please join me in the opening prayer. Generous God, you come to us again and again, no matter how late it is in the day or in our lives. 
calling to us, gather us in. You have your good work to do. Daily bread and boundless grace. Increase yourself so that we may do your work with joy alongside others whom you also love. We celebrate your salvation, not only in our lives, but also in the lives of other people, even those we have not imagined would be included in the kingdom you are bringing. Align us with your ways and help us receive your gift of justice and mercy as good news in Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated, and if you would turn to page 885 in your hymnals as we prepare to uh, use our affirmation of faith, a modern affirmation. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is one true church, apostolic and universal, whose holy faith let us now declare. We believe in God the Father, infinite in wisdom, power and love, whose mercy is over all his works, and whose will is ever directed to his children's good. We believe in Jesus Christ, Son of God and Son of Mary, the gift of the Father's unfailing grace, the ground of our hope, and the promise of our deliverance from sin and death. We believe in the Holy Spirit, as the divine presence in our lives, whereby we are kept in perpetual remembrance of the truth of Christ and find strength and help in time of need. We believe that this faith should manifest itself in the service of love as set forth in our example of our blessed Lord to the end that the kingdom of God may come upon the earth. Amen. Whether we have much or only a little, we can share our daily bread so that all will be fed. As we have received, so now we give in the vineyard of the Lord our tithes and offerings.
and join in our doxology. God of the harvest, we are privileged to be counted among those whom you have called, grace to have been given your work to do, blessed to receive more than we will ever earn. Accept, we pray, our thanksgivings and offerings, and do what you choose with what already belongs to you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray, amen. If you would remain standing as you are able for our next hymn number 145, Morning Has Broken. may be seated. It is now our youth moment. I'd like to invite any of our children and youth to come join me over on that side over there. Over yeah, over yonder there. I forgot my prop. I want to remind you all, you are all children of God, and if you want a sucker, you got to come sit. Anywho, how are you guys doing today? You doing good? Yeah? 
So you guys know what this is, right? What is it? It is a phone. You're right. And, you know, I am always so amazed at what I can do with my phone. I have a sister who lives in South Carolina. That's a long way away from here, isn't it? Even though they're in the same time zone as we are, which I don't understand, but that's okay. And I miss her when I don't get to see her. But with this thing, I can communicate with her. How can I communicate with her with this? Do you know? I can call her. What else could I do? I could text her. Uh, what else could I do? I could go and visit her. Um, what else is kind of like texting, but it's longer usually that you could, could communicate with someone through? FaceTime, you could do a video chat, or you could send an email, right? So, so there's lots of ways we can, can communicate with people when they're far away, and it can be just like they're in the same room as us. In a little bit, I am going to talk with the adults about the book of Philippians, okay? It's a book in the Bible, and it's actually a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the people, the church, in Philippi. And he didn't have one of these. He didn't, he didn't have texting, phone calls, or video messages, or even email. He had to write letters on, on like, paper. Actually, it might have been papyrus. No, something like paper, at least. And then he had to find someone to take it there because they didn't have a post office back then. So he had to find somebody who would, could take his letter over to where he needed it to go. Yeah, like a mailman, except no, more, normally, like for us, our mailmen have a, a set space they, they deliver stuff within. Not too far, not too big of a distance. Paul, he was in Rome, and he was sending this over to Philippi, which was in the area we know now as Greece. That's a long way to go, especially because they didn't have cars or airplanes. They had camels and horses and, and their feet. And so writing letters could take a long time. Have you guys ever written a letter before? Who did you write a letter to? Very cool. Did you send it through the mail? Sort of? Okay. When I was younger, I had a pen pal that my teacher, um, she helped all of us in the class get pen pals um, using a teacher that was a friend of hers who was teaching far away. She was actually in South America. And so we all got assigned one of the students in that class, and we wrote to each other. And it still took a long time for those letters to come, even though at that point we had things like planes and, and other stuff. It still took a while. But it was so cool to be able to talk to someone far away and learn about their life and stuff. So here's what I want you guys to do. We're not going to do the Lord's Prayer right now because we're going to do it later during communion. But I want you guys to think about if you were going to write a letter 
to somebody, whether it's your friend or a relative or maybe somebody you've never met before, but someone who's far away, think about what kind of things you'd want to tell them about. Maybe your family or your school or your toys or whatever. Just, just think about it. And if you decide you really want to try getting a pen pal, ask your parents to talk to me because I found a bunch of places online where you can find kids your age that you can write letters to. And it can be a lot of fun. It also can be not as much fun if you don't like writing. So you don't have to do it, but if you want to, let me know, okay? Does that sound pretty good? All right, the other person you can always write a letter to, you have one pen pal that's always with you, and that's God. And you can write to God or you can pray to God. It's, praying to God is a lot like writing a letter to God, except you use your voice or your mind, you don't use your hands, okay? Does that sound pretty good? All right, you guys did a really good job. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out with me over in the corner here. That's how I know I've been bad when they put me in the corner. Um, but there is a basket of suckers over there, and then you can head off to Sunday school, okay? Thank you, guys. And I'm fairly confident there's no more whistle suckers in there. <laughs> Keyword there is fairly confident. All right, um, we are, and by we, I mean me and the worship uh, committee, uh, have been trying to find ways to keep us from going over, and unfortunately today we're still going to probably go over, but we're, we're, we got some things we're going to do that hopefully will help. One of those being, um, I'm going to ask you to look at the prayer requests in the bulletin, and, and you can read those, and I am going to read the ones that are not in there uh, the ones that I just got this morning. So we have a prayer request um, for um, a niece of Diane Gieske who was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, we have prayers for Sue Ritzel. Uh, she's 87 years old and broke her leg. And that, I can't imagine how painful that has to be. Um, and then we also have prayers for Noel Barber and family. Um, that is Jan Smith's brother. No, sorry. Um, so prayers for him and his family. And then do we have any other prayer requests we'd like to lift up this morning? We can bring a microphone to you. Okie dokie. If you would please join me in an attitude of prayer. God of unending mercy and steadfast love, we are grateful that you are slow to anger, for there is much in this world that is wrong and set against your purposes. Overcome our many injustices with your justice. Overtake our lust for revenge with your great mercy. We pray for nations locked in amenity to be set free from old patterns and to embrace a new way of relating. We pray for people who wield economic power to take notice of those whom you notice and have compassion for those who are vulnerable. We pray for day laborers and the unemployed and the homeless. Inspire us that we, have that we who have enough to share 
will share it not in measured or resentful amounts, but gladly, abundantly, so basic needs do not go unattended. Gather up the first and the last, the least and the greatest, in the common work of your kingdom, until there is no more first or last at all, for all are one in your name. Help us all to see not only your grace at work in the world, but also your humor at work amongst us, the holy laughter that heals us and helps us to see ourselves rightly. We pray for all of those who are in need this morning and this day, whether because of health issues or other things that may be weighing them down, holding them back, things that make them feel chained. We ask that you would help them to heal, to recover, and for us to be able to reach out and help to break those chains. We thank you for the privilege of believing in Christ, of living in Christ, and of living for Christ. In all things, at all times, we give thanks to you, who never lets us go, through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Please join me aloud in our prayer for illumination. Gracious God, your word surprises, challenges, upsets, and overturns our way of seeing and thinking. Come and find us today, wherever we are, however we are, by the power of your Holy Spirit, cause that which is withering in us to blossom and that which is exacting in us to broaden until we see as you see and thereby glimpse the kingdom you are bringing. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We will now hear an anthem from our sanctuary choir.
The first scripture reading this morning is Psalm 145, verse 1 through 8. The greatness and the goodness of God, praise of David. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall laud your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. The might of your awesome deeds shall be proclaimed, and I will declare your greatness. They shall celebrate the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The word of God for the people of God, and you say, Thanks be to God. Our next hymn is We Gather Together, found on page 131 in your hymnals, and stand if you are able, please. You may be seated. Our next scripture reading comes from the book of Philippians chapter 1, which you can find on page 872 in the Bibles in the pews. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you, because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you, because you hold me in your heart. For all of you share in God's grace with me, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the compassion of Christ Jesus. 
And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what is best, so that in the day of Christ you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, beloved, that what has happened to me has actually helped to spread the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers and sisters, having been made confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, dare to speak the word with greater boldness and without fear. Some proclaim Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. These proclaim Christ out of love, knowing that I have been put here for the defense of the gospel. The others pro proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but intending to increase my suffering and my imprisonment. What does it matter? Just this, that Christ is proclaimed in every way, whether out of false motives or true, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in any way, but that by my speaking with all boldness, Christ will be exalted now as always in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, and I do not know which I prefer. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I am convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue all with all of you for your progress and joy in faith, so that I may share abundantly in your boasting in Christ Jesus when I come to you again. Only live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent and hear about you, I will know that you are standing firm in one spirit, striving side by side with one mind for the faith of the gospel, and are in no way intimidated by your opponents. For them, this is evidence of their destruction, but of your salvation. And this is God's doing. For he has graciously granted you the privilege not only of believing in Christ, but of suffering for him as well, since you are having the same struggle that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. This is the word of God for the people of God, and you say, thanks, thanks be to God. If you would please join me in an attitude of prayer. Loving God, you walk alongside us everywhere we go at all times. Even in the moments when we might be sh not, may not be sure if you are there, Jesus has taught us that you never leave our side. Help us to find you in all times and places in our lives, the good and the bad. Help us to see the opportunities you place before us to share your love, light, and grace with the world, and then also help us to act. And now may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts together in this place be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning again to you all. 
We got through Lent and Easter. And I really hope that you enjoyed the worship and sermon series that we used titled Good Enough. When I first came across in early January, it, it just felt like the Holy Spirit was, was shouting up and down, telling me that, that this is the path we should take. And I'm really glad that I did because I know I got a lot out of it and I hope that all of you did as well, whether learning something new or maybe looking at something in a new way. With all the events of the last two plus years, a series to, to help remind us that we are not perfect and that that is okay and that we are in fact as children of God made in God's image and therefore we are good enough just felt very healing and appropriate. So Easter Sunday is done. We are headed farther into spring, allegedly, from what the calendar says. Not sure if Mother Nature is fully agreeing to that, but the number of school days is starting to shrink. Plans are being made for vacations and trips especially as things have opened up a little bit more in some places. Soon we will slam into summer, again, assuming that Mother Nature plays along, with people going on vacations and visiting family members. But we're not there just yet. I still have you all for a few more weeks before people kind of disappear here and there to, to their vacation times, and I don't want to waste these last few weeks uh, of, this, of this month um, and the Easter season. So for this week and the next three, we're going to be doing a series on the book of Philippians. And conveniently, it only has four chapters, so we're going to do one each week. And after that, the last Sunday in May is Ascension Sunday, and we'll focus there on the ascension of Jesus as told through Luke's gospel. So settle in and get ready to go through the book of Philippians, also known as the Epistle to the Philippians. This epistle is attributed to the Apostle Paul, who uh, it also names Timothy as a co-author or co-sender, potentially. And it is addressed, of course, to the Christian church in Philippi. Now first, I want to give you some background on this text, including the time frame that it falls within who the real author is, and some other things that I think can be helpful and important. So we're going to start with the time frame. Paul and Timothy and Silas and possibly Luke, they went out and visited Philippi the first time uh, in Macedonia, which is what we now know as, uh, know as Greece, during Paul's second missionary journey from Antioch. And that journey occurred between approximately 49 and 51 AD. And what is kind of funny, at least to me, is that in the account of Paul's visit that we find in the book of Acts, in that retelling, Paul and Silas are accused of disturbing the city. Verse 20 uh, in chapter 16 says, when they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, these men are disturbing our city. They are Jews. And I don't know why. There's something about that just, of all the things you could be accused for or brought before a court on, that just kind of makes me laugh. Now, what about authorship? How many other books 
or rather letters and epistles, how many of them in, in our Bible have you heard from either myself or maybe someone else say that while they are attributed to Paul or in the text it says it's from Paul, there's really still a lot of debate over who actually wrote it. It may have been um, a follower of Paul. There's not a very clear answer all the time. Well, guess what? This one has the general consensus that the epistle consists of authentically Pauline material, meaning he wrote it. And this letter is actually a composite of multiple letter fragments from Paul to this church in Philippi. Bet you didn't see that coming. Now, I do have to tell you, there is still debate over when exactly these letters were written. Not the worst thing to debate over, and at least we are more certain about the authorship. There are some scholars that think that the letters were, uh, the letters that the fragments came from would have been written by Paul when he was in Ephesus between 52 and 55 AD, or maybe even Caesarea Maritina between 57 and 59 AD. Most likely, though, these letters were written in his time in Rome, probably around 62 AD, around 10 years after Paul's first visit to Philippi. Now, this belief that the contents are not from a single letter, but rather they are fragments, most likely from three separate letters, that this idea came around in like the 1960s, and, and a lot of the arguments for it is that the structure of this, this letter, there's these abrupt shifts in tone and topic within the text. There's also some chronological inconsistencies from one chapter to the next concerning Paul's associate, Ephrodotus. What happens is in chapter 2, and we'll see this next week, um, beginning around verse 25, Ephrodotus is at the point of death, where he has been long deprived of the company of the Philippian Christians. We're told that he's near death, he's been away from the, the church in Philippi for so long. And why this is confusing is because later on in chapter 4, Paul mentions that Ephrodotus has only now just arrived at Paul's side bearing a gift from the church in Philippi. I'm not sure you can be near death and distraught about being away from someone for a long time and then shortly thereafter return from those same people and apparently in fine health. But that's okay. So that's a quick introduction to this epistle written to the church in Philippi. I promise I'll have more background to come as we travel through the four chapters along with important context information and some historical references as they're available. Something I want to begin with, though, is the use of a very specific word in verse 4. And to make it all make sense, I'm going to read again verses 3 through 5, because Taking verse 4 is in the middle of a sentence, so I want to give you the whole picture. It says, I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. The word I want us to focus on here is the word joy. 
Paul uses the word joy, or sometimes rejoice or thanksgiving, he uses it over and over and over again throughout this entire epistle. And there's reason for that. When we think about joy, it can be easy to be joyful when we're in a time of celebration, like, say, for a birthday or a wedding or a newborn life coming into the world. Those are things that are often joyful, wonderful times. But when, when things are not an obvious time for joy, like when things are getting challenging or difficult, during those times, can we also say that we are joyful? Even if you don't feel it, are you able to be joyful in a difficult and challenging time? And why is it important to be joyful? Well, the simple but true answer is because Scripture tells us that joy is the thing that gives us strength. And it, for example, in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, it says, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Part of what makes this section of Paul's words so significant is that he was writing this communication while he was in chains. He was in prison. And yet, despite that reality, he still talks about and has this immense joy for this church and the people in Philippi. And Paul tells them why. He says, because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. The work that was happening in this church was so encouraging and beautiful to Paul that it brought him this immense joy, even though he was imprisoned, which is such a contrast to, I think, what a lot of us would expect. The relationship between Paul and the church is actually more than just his pen pals. The church in Philippi actually sent someone who I mentioned to you earlier, Ephrodotus, as an envoy or a representative of the church to Paul while he was imprisoned. And we'll see more about that next week in chapter 2. But I want to point out something about the realities of this relationship. Back in Paul's time, the jails and the prisons were a little bit different than what we know of today. Prison in Paul's time, at least in Rome, but in many other places as well, your prison sentence didn't come with, like, three meals a day. You might not have even had a bed or a place to lay down. In prisons like this, you were often starving. People were being brutalized, and there was just horrific treatment in general. So maybe not that much different than some of the jails and prisons in our world today. But Ephrodotus was sent to take care of Paul. And the church was financially supporting Paul. Ephrodotus looked after Paul, physically brought food to him, and so on, and cared for him. And the only reason that Paul wasn't executed, and instead he was placed in prison, was because he was a Roman citizen. If he was not a Roman citizen for disturbing the city, he would have been executed in a potential number of horrific ways. So they threw him instead into prison because they believed he was too dangerous to be left out and about on his own. 
And Paul was actually in Philippi for about three months or so before he was imprisoned there and then transported to Rome a little bit later. And even in that short time, those three months or so, Paul was so beyond impressed with the Philippian church that he writes them this communication. Now, what might be even more impressive, given the, history, or the history of many things, um, this church in Philippi that he has visited and gone to, it was made up of mostly women. And Paul put a woman pastor in charge of that church, which again, given the dynamics of gender roles at the time, was a little unusual. Her name was Lydia. She was an Asian businesswoman. Now, there's something else of Paul's reality in this prison that I will admit makes me laugh, and this is because of my imagination of situations. And it's when we hear about him being chained or in chains. But that doesn't mean he was by himself. Given all the historical evidence and information we have, Paul was actually chained to someone else, most likely someone from the elite guard, given how dangerous they thought that he was. And I just start to imagine Paul chained to this other person or possibly other persons and him just talking his ear off about Jesus. And what if that, that elite guard or whoever he might have been chained to, what if they were atheists or monotheists that believed in other gods? What if they really could care less about what he had to say? And instead, here you have Paul talking to them like, yeah, yeah, that's all great, but you've got to let me tell you about this Jesus guy and everything he did. Talking to them day and night, day night and night, day and night, constantly sharing the good news. And I'm picturing some of the people maybe in that same space, whether they're chained to him or just happen to be there, starting to roll their eyes in the beginning. Maybe a few days in, starting to smack their heads against the wall. Maybe even those who were atheists and didn't carry a specific belief in any God, starting themselves to pray for him to lose his voice, anything for a moment of quietness with no talking about this Jesus guy that he keeps going on and on about. But part of why Paul was doing that, he wasn't just trying to be antagonistic or being a pain, not at all. Paul saw this as an opportunity. Here he is in Rome, the capital city. He is surrounded by the highest of the high, people like judges, government officials, the elite guard, and of course as well, slaves and servants. Possibly even the emperor could have been within his hearing distance. And here he has a captive audience to share the good news with. I will be honest, there is a part of me that was kind of surprised that at some point they didn't try and cut his tongue out just to stop him from talking. But I think there's potentially two reasons for this. One, I don't really know if that was something that was done as a punishment back in that time frame. 
And even if it was, as a Roman citizen, Paul may have been spared from that, just as he was spared from being executed. But secondly, I'm also wondering if, if Paul told them about how Jesus had said, even if the disciples were silent during that entrance into Jerusalem that we celebrate on Palm Sunday, even if they were silent, the rocks themselves would cry out. I have a feeling that hearing that, some of those people would have thought, you know, there's a lot of rocks around here. Maybe we better just let him keep going because otherwise it's going to get louder and just keep going when the stones start going on and on about what this guy's babbling on about. I want to ask you to consider a question this morning. Who or what are you chained to right now? Maybe you feel like you're, you're chained in your job or maybe in your marriage or another relationship. Maybe you feel like you are chained to your family or to your church or, or maybe something else completely. And I know this can be hard. But when you can identify what it is that you are feeling chained to, I pray that you will try to see it as an opportunity for Christ to come through you in that situation. I pray that you will try to see it as an opportunity to see the power of Jesus in, in all places, even the truly challenging ones. Because it can be easy to, to see Christ when everything is going well in our lives. It's easy to see Christ when we are celebrating something like Christmas or Easter or, or Pentecost or any other, you know, church holiday. But it can be so much harder to see Christ in trying times. But maybe, maybe we could see this being chained as an opportunity to have an effect on other people, on other children of God. Paul brought boldness to other Christians. Think about what you could bring to others, what, what ways the power of Jesus could flow through you and impact someone else. The possibilities are potentially endless. We, we just need to act when those opportunities present themselves, and trust in God. Amen. If you would please turn to pages 15 and 16 as we prepare to celebrate Holy Communion. Now, you're going to notice that it looks a little different up here. And it hasn't looked this way for about two years. I felt it was time to try and, and again, continue to work back towards what we might think of as normal. What we're going to do is try and celebrate Holy Communion the way we would normally be accustomed to 
with one or two minor variations. We still have prepackaged elements for anyone who would rather use that, but we also have cubed bread and small cups of juice, which you can uh, choose to use instead. Uh, we don't have an easy way to get the other kneelers down, so um, when you come up, you can, uh, if you would, please take your elements as you are standing, and then if you wish, you can kneel and say a prayer. Otherwise, you can continue back along the edges to your seat, and the ushers will dismiss each row. Um, this is the first time we're doing this with me here with you all, and it's the first time I'm doing it in, again, about two years. So I ask for your grace and your patience as we, we try to relearn some of the things that were so normal and commonplace to us, but that hold such important power in our faith as such as the sacrament of Holy Communion. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You brought all things into being and called them good. From the dust of the earth you formed us into your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. When rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, you bore up the ark on the waters, saved Noah and his family, and made covenant with every living creature on earth. When you led your people to Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights, you gave us your commandments and made us your covenant people. When your people forsook your covenant, your prophet Elijah fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and on your holy mountain he heard your still small voice. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. When you gave him to save us from our sin, your spirit led him into the wilderness where he fasted 40 days and 40 nights to prepare for his ministry. When he suffered and died on a cross for our sin, you raised him to life, presented him alive to the apostles during 40 days, and exalted him at your right hand. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water in the Spirit." On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit in us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, 
and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at its heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now, the confidence of children of God, let us pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. The bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ, and the cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. In the United Methodist Church, we practice open communion, and what that means is that this table doesn't belong to me or to this church or even our denomination. This table belongs to Jesus Christ and he alone. It doesn't matter what your uh, affiliation to any religious group may be, whether a Methodist or another denomination. It doesn't matter if you have no affiliation. It doesn't matter if you're baptized or unbaptized. It doesn't matter your age, your race, your ethnicity, your sexual orientation, all those ways we try to box people away, those ways we try to divide ourselves. He doesn't see that. All Jesus sees is beloved children of God. And all that he asks for you to come forward is to come with an open heart. I'd like to invite our communion helpers to please come forward at this time. As I mentioned earlier, the ushers will uh, dismiss you uh, in your rows. Um, you will be given a piece of bread and a cup of juice, and then again, you can choose to receive those together um, through intinction, dipping the bread in the juice, or you can take them separately. We also do have the prepackaged as well, if that is more for your comfort level. Um, brothers and sisters, come and taste that God is good.
That's okay. We can use this juice, though. Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. If you would please rise as you are able for our closing song. Uh, it is actually in your bulletin. Um, it is, Lord, I lift your name on high. And we're going to go through this, we decided, twice, right? Twice. She's going to play it once through first. Okay, so she's going to play it through once first, and then we'll go through it twice to sing it. Sing your praises then. 
so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. My debt to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven. Beloved children of God, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ and stand firm in the spirit. Go out this day practicing God's strange generosity towards others, sharing the good news with them and rejoicing in their well-being that you too may be well. And may the generous grace of Christ attend you, the astounding love of God find you, and the surprising movement of the Holy Spirit guide you everywhere and always. Amen.